Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Sandra Winka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. So Naomi Osaka is a two-time Australian Open champion, a four-time Grand Slam champion. She's a woman that hasn't lost a tennis match in over a year. That's a 21-match winning streak. She is, as David said pretty early on in our daily Australian Open podcast, setting herself apart, if not having already set herself apart from the rest of the field, I think. I think the fact that she's not the world number one right now is more about the rankings than it is about Naomi Osaka because she is the very best female tennis player in the world right now by some margin, I would say, David, and a a very worthy Australian Open champion. Oh, yeah. Uh, She really is. And I I find it quite interesting. We'll, We'll talk about the match in a little while, but I find it quite interesting that when we came to do our picks for the title at the start of the tournament. I am usually somebody who gets scared off by a draw, to be quite honest. I'll often see a difficult half and I'll think I'm staying away from that. And yet with her, I looked through all the players that she could come up against and she just gives you the confidence that she can handle them. And and, and I know she almost lost to Garbini Magrutha, but the... The theme that has become apparent throughout the last two weeks is the ruthless manner in which she finishes things. And um, she's such a combination because she's so sweet to listen to and so disarming and interesting and lovable. And yet she is a killer on the court in just ten- in tennis terms. In terms of finishing a match, there is no mercy. It is just get the job done and uh and that's adding on to a range of skills and physical ability that is is the standard now matt she was described by russ bengtson who seems to be the sort of chap that we would all get on with as uh, a little kitten who eats people (laughs) yes i loved that tweet (laughs) yeah and she's someone who says what she means She told us at the start of the tournament, I like a tough draw. She told us she's improved her returns. She's improved her returns. She told us she doesn't think that people remember runners-up and she wants to win, and she keeps winning these finals. Bad news for Jenny Brady, that. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, and, you know, when, when someone keeps winning, it can sometimes get less interesting. I think with Osaka, the opposite is true. The more she wins, the more interesting it gets, the more interesting she gets, the more interesting she makes the sport. And, you know, we've said that this was the slam in which she set herself apart. It feels like each slam that she's won has been defined by something. You know, her first one was her breakthrough. Her second one was her backing that up. Her third one was so tied with her off-court activism. And the fourth one, this one, was her setting herself apart. And I'm just so excited to find out what she does next. That's the feeling I'm left with, watching Osaka and having her win all these things. What's next? Yeah, and we're going to have a 
a big speculative chat about that. And she was quite happy to get into that speculation in her press conference afterwards. And as you can imagine, she gave great quotes about pretty much everything she was asked about. It was an absolute joy, but we should probably talk about the match first, David. I mean, 6-4-6-3, who on earth could have predicted that scoreline? <laughs> Not me. Um, I, I went for the Hail Mary. I had, I had, uh, I think about 80 points to try to make up, um, in the, in the standings. So I went for a Brady in three to try and get a big hundred in one go. Uh, didn't work out as you can tell. Um, but I mean, I thought Brady came out and had a right old go really through what she had. She was, she wasn't as consistent and solid and reliable as she was in that match in New York. Um, and I think that that's. I think she's done really well to reach the final, in spite of being a little bit erratic at times. Um, but she was right in there in that first set. She had some chances before Osaka really got going. You know, before she absolutely put her foot on the gas and shot off into the distance. I think Brady will probably have some frustration tonight over over what happened. Um, but once Osaka had got herself going, I mean, the way she just pulls away from you and withstands what you've got and makes makes you pay, it's um, that's what's special about her above all. I mean, she went a set and four love up, and, and I thought Brady did a great job to keep fighting and blasting away and deciding she's just going to go for broke and, and, and make the score respectable in that second set. I'm really glad for her that that happened because it would be horrible to be standing there with zero games in the second set. But even, even despite all that, Osaka gets into the position she needs. She never panics. There's never a flicker that this is not going to happen for her and she wins the last four points of the match yet again. Yeah, it's easy it's easy to kind of already start rewriting history and think six four, six three, Naomi Osaka, twenty one match winning streak, four time Grand Slam champion, you know, it, it was always inevitable. She was always gonna win that match. But at at four all or up until four all in the first set, it really was a match, wasn't it? It was a match that Naomi Osaka was never not the favourite for, but it was a competitive match. That moment when Brady hit the lob and celebrated like like she did, arms aloft, a little bit Daniil Medvedev style. I thought, you go on, Jen. <laughs> this was back in back in the times when we thought we were calling her Jen. Uh, more news on that later. Um, and I thought, yeah, great. You're probably still going to lose, but this is great. Um, and then Osaka wins the next six games and uh, somebody prematurely uh, um, edits her Wikipedia page. <laughs> at at 644-love... Her Wikipedia page was edited to describe her as a four-time Grand Slam champion. Then she loses the next game and the Wikipedia page reverts to its previous form. I did briefly wonder whether Wikipedia had got a feed of this match in the future or something (laughs) I didn't know about. Could have been the biggest jinx of all time, that. Yeah. But Um, I'm not imagining that, am I? It was a competitive match for a while there. Yeah, my feeling was that both players were quite nervous at the start. Osaka obviously got out to a break lead and then gave it back straight away and they were they were struggling a little bit. Neither was quite playing their best at the start. The conditions were tricky. It was quite breezy on court. Um, and then for four or five games, I thought Brady was arguably the better player in that first set. The way she was hitting her backhand really caught me off guard. I think it perhaps caught Osaka off guard, who was really targeting it. But Brady was responding with some really great backhands. I think Osaka kind of played her in on the backhand because she was hitting pretty much every ball there. Yeah. And then we reached that pivotal stage of the match, which was the end of the first set, as you said, included that incredible point from Brady where she sort of ran the distance the length of the court and hit the lob over Osaka and did that celebration but I think we saw the difference between them in those couple of games Osaka is an experienced big match player and when she needs it she can find her best tennis and for all love 30 Osaka serving second serve Brady missed a forehand return and then on the break point that she did eventually get in that game Brady um, Osaka hit a forehand winner. 
And then serving at 4-5, Brady had a game point to take it to 5-all, made some errors. And then when she was facing her set point of her own Brady, she hit a forehand into the net. It was quite a bad, unforced error. And then, as you said, Osaka just took the match away from her at the start of that second set. I was reminded of that quote that I think is a Yogi Berra quote that I've heard via Mary Carrillo, that it got late early. And it had been a very tight match. And then suddenly Osaka accelerated and she was only two games away from winning. And it almost happened without you really noticing. And I think that's it's one of the shames that they only play best of three in these women's finals. But it's also a measure of what Osaka can do to you. She has an ability to surge ahead. We've seen it all tournament. And she did that to Brady today. Brady did well to make it tight again in that second set, but it, it kind of felt over at that point to me. At the risk of sounding like a total dance, did you just profoundly quote Yogi Bear? <laughs> no, no, no. Yogi Berra. I don't know who that is. But <laughs> let's all admit that that sounds a lot like Yogi Bear. He's a, he, he was a baseball player. Right. <laughs> well, I'd, I'm now very I'm, worried I've got his I'm, name wrong. I'm British, oh. I don't follow baseball. It's all no great, Yogi though. Bear is, though, I, my God. I like the quote. <laughs> I'm going with it. It's a great quote. Just didn't, didn't necessarily sound like something Yogi Bear would have said, <laughs> hence the query. Um, <laughs> in I had a real uh, tennis relived moment in the speeches afterwards, just to focus on Jen, oh, Jen, yeah. Jenny, I know, Jennifer, I know what you're going to say, Brady. Yeah. Um, afterwards, when she was she was told, I think more than once, "Well, you're definitely you're definitely going to be here again. And you're definitely going to win Grand Slams." And you know, she was a worthy finalist today. It's not a flash in the pan. Semi finalist at the U.S. Open. Um, and, you know, given her lack of experience, she performed well today. There's there's no sense of her, I'm not suggesting she didn't belong there, but the, just the assumptive, not sure that's a word, um, statements that you'll be back here, you will definitely win slams. I think someone even said you'll, you'll win the next one or something. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, it, it was a very definitive, the next time you're here, you will win Yes, it. the next time you're here, you will win it. And I thought, well, not if it's Naomi Osaka again. I'd Probably. been feeding no that one's into his going to. when he said that. Oh. Um, <laughs> and I know, you know, we've done enough Tennis Relived, we've watched enough of those ceremonies to know you have to say something like that. But I did, I felt a bit icky when and eerie when it was said, sort of haunted by all those times we've seen it said mm. and it, well, it feeling like a sort of reverse foreshadowing. The, the the quote that strikes me as the accurate one in that ceremony is, I knew she was going to be a lot of trouble from Naomi Osaka about Jennifer Brady after that semi-final. Almost a Taylor Swift quote. <laughs> and uh, and she, because she is. I mean, she's a, she's a draw disruptor. She's not necessarily the one that you circle as, unless you're me, as, a, as somebody who's going all the way. Um but because there are so many others, that's that's the problem. There are so many of these really top draw players now. I mean, yes, Osaka feels like she's separating herself, but the pack is so full of talented players. This is not a dud era. This is this mm. has got the makings of an all time era right up there uh, of of a pool of players, all of whom are richly talented, different, and and want it. Um, but I, I do think she can. Be a factor for for years to come. I don't. I don't, I don't know whether she's going to be winning any Grand Slams. Really, I don't know whether she is. I wouldn't. I wouldn't confidently state that. But I think she can contend um, on clay and on and on hard courts for if she can keep her health for several years um, because she does look the business. It's just that there are there are other players that have more of an X factor about their ability, their set, you know, if I think of Andrescu and Sviantec, I feel those two and Osaka just have something, a gear shift that when they're really on, when they're absolutely on, I don't see that Brady can answer that. Uh, and I don't think hardly any of the others can answer that. I mean, Barty's got some of that too, but she's, I think there's a, there's a little bit of a question mark over the mental 
strength in the tightest moments for Barty. I mean, she's won a Grand Slam. That would suggest that she'll be fine. But we'll see in the years to come. That's what I love about this era. That we're going to learn a lot. I thought Brady said something very nice in her post-match uh, press conference where she was asked, what do you need to do to win a slam, basically? And she said, I need to keep improving my game so that I get to the point where I don't have to play great tennis to win. I just have to play well enough to win. And I think that was bang on because for me it felt like she had to absolutely peak today and hit her ceiling to match Osaka, who wasn't playing at her absolute ceiling. Osaka's baseline level is is higher than Brady's. And I think that is so often the case, isn't it? It's very rare that you can play your best all the time. And for Brady, if she can just bring in those margins a little bit and have a have a slightly more reliable sort of B game, that will help her in those in those big matches where she doesn't feel like she really has to play her best when she's nervous. And I think you know that's a that's probably a good thing for her to aim for. Um, that that feels achievable that she can do that. Whether it's enough. Let's see. But I, I liked that as a goal. It's such a misnomer about coaching and training, isn't it? You don't, you don't practice to improve your best level. You practice to improve your average level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we've, heard, it, we've heard a lot of players talk in the past, haven't we, about how you rarely have a day where it all works and it all feels good. You know, um, I can't remember who it was who said it to us. I think I've heard it from Martina Navratilova and Joe Dury are the are the two that yeah. stick out Joe for me. Joe Dury, that that brings Joe, Joe Dury def, definitely says that a lot, and and it it, it chimes every time, mm. and yet also every time it strikes me how infrequently that is said. Yeah, well, I didn't a, know that I, until mm. she said that. I did not know that tennis players most of the time don't feel like they're playing their best tennis or really good tennis, you know, the tennis that they're completely happy with. Um, and I, I do, I love that, that, that revelation really for people who aren't tennis players like me, who just don't know that that's such an interesting insight. Mm. Well, speaking of revelations, David, Naomi Osaka, she, she wins the title. She celebrates, they set up the stage for the presentation um, she steps up to give her speech and she seeks clarification just before she pays tribute to her beaten opponent. She pays, she seeks clarification on what Jennifer Brady likes to be called. Is it Jen? Is it Jennifer? It's the question on everybody's lips at this moment in time. Uh, and she, she replies, Jenny. Unexpected for everyone. Um, and Naomi Osaka proceeds to call her Jennifer. <laughs> there, there are two que- queries. <laughs> did she actually say Jenny or did she say any is fine? Is that what oh. she said? That's one one query because I did read that. If, if you come up with that theory or is that, I, is that I, circulating? I, that, I read that in response to people remarking on this conversation and saying right. may, she might have said, they didn't say it with, categorically, they said she might have said any. And I thought, well, that could be because I heard it as Jenny. I thought that's what she said too. But I, but then I, and the, and the other thing, I don't think Naomi Osaka has listened to that and said, well, <laughs> screw you, I'll call you what I want. I think she, <laughs> <laughs> I think she's probably just not quite heard her. You know, mm. if 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 she did say Jenny, I think she just didn't quite catch that. Um, oh, we've all been there, haven't we? So um, yeah, you can't ask again. <laughs> it's better just to get it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, right. you know, so what, what do we proceed with calling her? Oh, well, I'm going with Jen. I mean, right. The well, one thing we know she didn't say. Yeah. Well, I've heard <laughs> other people call her that, you know. Okay. Matt? What... <laughs> now, I'm calling her Jennifer because I, I, I mean, look, actually, seriously for a moment, I, I don't call tennis players by nicknames or... Um, Generally speaking, I, I call them by the name that is written down because that's... me too. Unless they ask to be called something different, yeah, for absolutely. example, a, a year or so ago, somebody clarified with Zverev, didn't they, what he wanted to be called, and he said Alex or Alexander. Yeah, I, I've um, never called him and, Sasha because no. I don't. 
I don't, I don't know him. Uh, I don't. I haven't had it absolutely confirmed to me that that's what he wants to be called, and that's not what's written on the screen or in any of the books or anything like that. So I'm going to call him those no. things. But equally, Stan Warinka asks to be Stan. And in yes. fact, that has subsequently changed in the official ATP guide and everything, but it used to be Stanislas. And Andy Murray asked to be called yes. Andy and not Andrew. Because uh, yes. the first commentary mm-hmm. that Tony Adamson ever did on him and on Five Live when he beat George Bastel in 2005, you hear game, set, match, Andrew Murray. And actually, Tony, to be fair to him, also said, I think I have just seen a Wimbledon champion. Which is wow. a wonderful, wonderful wow. line. You know, going out on a limb, but he got it right. Wow. Let's find out whether he thinks Jen Brady will win the next Grand Slam final she's in. Jennifer (laughs) Brady. Jenny Brady. Oh, God. She said any, so it's fine. Any is fine. Okay. (laughs) Um, What about Naomi Osaka then? Um, I mean, there's so many... There's so many records here or certainly like interesting statistical lines, all of which Matt has come up with. She's the first woman since Monica Sellers to win all four of her first Grand Slam finals. That's a great She's, one, isn't it? That's the a reverse real... Andy Murray. That's, mm. a, that's, a, that's one that definitely mm. stops you in your tracks a little bit, that. That's, that's an open era stat. Yes. Um, and then there's, if you take the men in the open era, the only other man who's done that is Federer. Mm. So she's in the company in the open era of just Selesh, Federer and Osaka. Selesh won her first six, Federer his first seven. So Ludicrous. Um, she's won her last 41 Grand Slam matches when after winning the first set. Uh, the last one she lost after winning the first set was at the French Open in 2016. The, the moment when we were going through that first set, I I did hope... Brady would win it, not just for my prediction, but also just because I thought this is how we get a match out of this. Um, I also think shows how well Brady did to win the second set in their US Open match. Mm. But I think I feel like Osaka has moved on again since then. Mm, I mean, she definitely. showed something else this fortnight that she didn't show that fortnight. I mean, there she was having to do these incredible escapology feats the the likes of which we saw against Muguruza but it's what stands out to me just as much as as that is that is the way she just closed matches out I mean that's the sort of thing that the greats on the on the all-time list that's what they have when when she does lose a Grand Slam final or lose even in the second week of a slam which she's never done before, or lose from a setup, maybe lose from a setup in the second week of a slam. Is it going to shake her to her core because she's so unused to it? I mean, I think no, <laughs> but I'm just putting it out there that I, yeah, she I does, think... she's talked about the significance of experience, that ex- experience is what's winning her this stuff. Well, there is, she's so good <laughs> that there is certain stuff she actually doesn't have experience of. Yeah, I think I agree that probably not. But she said something, didn't she, in her press conference today about how losses linger mm. for her. You know, she 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 feels losses. I mean, I think partly because she doesn't have that many of them. Um, yeah, I think when she does does lose one of those big matches for the first time, it, it could rock her a little bit. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect it to sort of completely derail her career trajectory. No, she, um... she's um, she's at least the way she comes across to me in the press conferences, and I haven't been to that many of them. But I, I watched all of that press conference of hers today. Are you banned from them, David? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, after last year. Uh, anyway, no, I'm not. But I, I went to the whole thing today and. She just seems to have such a healthy outlook on the sport mm. and on life, really. As as much as she wants it, she seems to have that perfect balance between really, really wanting it and not assuming it and being okay in a way. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, she just said, like you said, they linger. So it's it's so it's so hard to read. Well, which is it? Which one is she? And I, the, what I love about her, I love a lot of things about her as a tennis player, and I really like the person that, that we're getting to know. But I feel that there's so much more to un- understand about her. I, don't, I just feel she's such a layered 
person. There's so much there um, that we don't even know about yet. She's only 23, 23 mm. years old. And she said today that um, her, her goal, or one of them, she says, hopefully I'll play long enough to play a girl that once said that I was her favourite player. That's how the sport moves forward, which is, I mean, that made my heart sing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, if that's the case, then she's going to have to linger for, I mean, a good good decade. I decade don't know. More, which, is, which isn't which you know, isn't that I, long I, in tennis I terms think, now. When I think of players coming along now, I mean, we've got Coco Goff playing the game at 16 and she came along at 15. I think, you know, there are going to be players that are 13 right now um, that are going to just be idolising her already. I really believe that. And, and I don't think it'll take long at all. And I think that players that are already making their tentative steps, the likes of Goff and, and others that are 17, they're going to end up looking at Osaka the way Osaka looks at Serena and the way lots of fellow players... You know how, you know how sometimes Federer plays in the whole of the tennis backstage scene they just go giddy you know the other players in the locker yeah. room they're, they're just suddenly all tweeting about oh he's my favorite and all this sort of <laughs> thing. she's going to be that to a lot of players i mm. think oh well let's hope she's around for a decade or more yeah well, that'd be good would um but yeah that was a, that was a lovely line nestled among so many lovely lines um for asaka she said just on the sort of what what each of her Grand Slams stands for and, and means sort of both to her and in the wider picture. She said, I got really scared when I won in New York. She said, it put me in this light, this non-athletic light that I've never been in before. Um, I only like to talk about subjects that I'm really knowledgeable about. And I started being asked about all sorts of things and I didn't feel confident. For me, this tournament was all about tennis. What I loved about that was the the question was how um, I can't remember the exact wording, but she was really appreciative of the question. Yeah, she he he said, "Is there anything you'd like this win to stand for? Is there anything bigger than the tennis you'd like this win to stand for?" And she said, "Yeah." She acknowledged. She said, "I'm really pleased you've acknowledged what that last win stood for, but this one." I think is all about the tennis. Mm. Um, and goodness, I'm excited to know what the next one. And can will stand I also for. say, I feel like the Brady run to the final is an extraordinary feat given that she was the player that went through the whole two weeks in hard quarantine. I Absolutely. just find it incredible what she managed to do there, um, yeah. mentally and physically. I mean, we've seen how many players had physical issues with with abdominal muscle pulls and she looks she looks just the most well conditioned athlete she looks like she just puts so much effort into into orchestrating her schedule so that everything's right all the time and just a great professional but mentally it's a it's a it's such a strain i mean i know that i know this is it's not an equivalent in any in any way, but I'm sitting here in a, a Holiday Inn at the moment in in Manchester, and I, and I'm coming up to two weeks. It's it's two weeks tomorrow since I I moved in here, and the only time I leave this room is to go and commentate for a few hours in the BBC building, or I might go a walk. That's it. Uh, now that's nothing compared to the hard quarantine. That, that people are doing, aus- returning Australian residents and lots of people around the world. We heard from John Millman about it. But you can find yourself going, getting a bit stressed out. In, in, I, even in this room, I find myself, my mind wandering. I, I'm not necessarily that focused. Um, I feel pretty lethargic, fatigued, sort of in a, in a, in a, a part of that's the sort of slight jet lag of uh, our shift starting up. Six, six in the morning, you know, and waking up in the middle of the night to watch tennis. That's my own fault. But it's, um, but I did think I would really find that hard. I would find it hard. Now, a lot of people will say, oh, you haven't got anything else to worry about. What you just, what you're doing is watching tennis or playing tennis. I am saying I would find it hard. I know I would. Um, so the fact that she weathered that and still ended up coming through the draw, that's really something that. She didn't have a 
co-presenter's puppy chewing through cables and making her have to redo all of her day's work, though, did she? <laughs> L- low point? Are we, are we, are we ready to laugh about yet? that? Matt, Matt seems are ready. We, are we ready to laugh about that? <laughs> okay. This might be the moment. <laughs> What are we, 29 minutes in? Should we call she, it a podcast? She, uh, <laughs> she, she disabled her Netflix account. Yeah. Jen, Jen, Jennifer Brady. Um, <laughs> in order that she wasn't um, lured away from her disciplined regime. She had a, a treadmill and a bike in her room. Um, and she, she didn't trust herself to only watch one episode of something on Netflix. I mean, that's all of us, isn't it? Um, so she thought best to disable it altogether so you're not up at three o'clock in the morning watching episode eight of some true crime documentary. <laughs> Do we know what she did apart from exercising? I mean, you know, did she... FaceTime, she said. Oh. She said she spent a lot of time on FaceTime with the other players in hard quarantine, oh. I think. Mm. They formed a little... A little community, I think, to get to get them through it, which was nice. I thought a bit like the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello, tennis podcast listeners. David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. The big question with Osaka now is the portion of the season that's coming up. I know there's Miami. Um, I... I don't think she's verbally confirmed, but we expect her to play Miami, don't we? If not any of the events, the events preceding that. Um, and then it's clay and then it's grass. And by her own admission, she's performed uh, pretty, pretty badly on those surfaces in the past. <laughs> she casually said in press today, well, I never played juniors, so I've never played on grass. You know, she never even played junior Wimbledon or she had no formative experience on that surface. She would have played a bit on clay. There's, you know, there's no question that she has played the vast majority of her tennis on on hard courts. And that's what her game is is built for. She was asked when she would like her next slam to come. Would you like it to be at the French Open or at, or at Wimbledon? Because those are surfaces you haven't conquered yet. And she said... Well, I hope hope it's on clay because that's sooner, <laughs> which was amazing. Which is a perfectly fair enough answer and absolutely the right one, isn't it? Yeah. I do remember two years ago when she went into Roland Garros, she was putting a lot of pressure on herself. She was really talking about how much she wanted to win the calendar slam. God. 
you know, and, and she was on this incredible unbeaten streak at majors, which she'll be on again because she's done the same thing, winning the US Open and then the Australian Open going into Roland Garros. But it, it really does strike me how little she has played on those two surfaces, especially since she became the player she is now. She's only really had one season on the on the clay and on the grass since she became a Grand Slam champion because last season she didn't play on either. She said it's all about feeling comfortable, which I think is absolutely it, isn't it? I mean, the more comfortable she gets in life, it seems, the better mm. her tennis gets. And the more comfortable she is on a surface, the better her tennis can get. Um, I think the movement, as we said yesterday, is is so crucial for both of those surfaces for her. Um, that Roland Garros result that we mentioned five years ago, she pushed Halep to three sets on clay. She can play on clay. I, I have no real doubt about that. It's just a question of how well she can. Grass, there's just so little to go on, but... She's got some weapons that should work on the grass. I just, I hope she gives herself a bit more time. I mean, I, I know I love that answer about Roland Garros is next. I hope it's that. But realistically, I wouldn't be expecting her to win Roland Garros or Wimbledon this year. Um, but I think in time, she probably can adapt her game to I, suit them. I got the impression she's putting pressure on herself to do to do a lot better at Roland Garros and Wimbledon, but not necessarily win them. She doesn't like that those are sort of glaring weak spots in her year and in her calendar. She said, you know, obviously bigger picture, you know, she was asked about Mats Verlander saying she could win 10 10 Grand Slams. And she said, yeah, of course I want to win 10, but I'll focus on winning the next one first. You know, she's not playing down the the big picture. But equally, um, she said... She said, my goal is to be consistent this year and not have a big drop-off in June and July like I usually do. I love the way she says usually, like there's sort of 15 years worth of data to go on. She's talking (laughs) about sort of one time two years ago. Um, But yeah, I think she she doesn't want to have um, the ebbs and flows so much of the season. She doesn't want to have so many ups and downs. She's... She's prepared for some. She knows that that's life and that's tennis. She she shut down any suggestion that she could go the season unbeaten. She said, I just don't think that's possible. Tennis is too much about up, ups and downs. It's kind of too fundamental to the sport and the life of being on tour. But she she doesn't want to have the big down. She doesn't want to have that big kind of vacuum in her CV that she has done on on clay and grass previously so it's kind of a mixture of pressure and and not pressure um it's going to be fascinating do you think Mm. she'll go to eastbourne i tell you i believe that naomi osaka at the french open and at wimbledon is the most interesting story in tennis Mm. for this year i mean a lot of people would point to serena williams trying to still get 24 at wimbledon the return of roger federer Obviously, those are huge stories that kind of transcend tennis. But for those of us within the sport itself, my fascination is probably more with Osaka trying to adapt and conquer. Uh, and I believe that she is good enough. I really do. I mean, I'm not saying this year either. I, I'd, and I don't think it's there's a need to expect that. But I, I also wouldn't put it past her because she's that good. She's that good an athlete. She's that good a competitor. She's that good just in terms of the strokes. I mean, I'm very interested to see which one of them she adapts to better. A lot of people I heard, I think we might have talked about it, have certainly said they think clay should be be an easier adaptation. I don't don't think so. I think she should be brilliant on grass once uh, she just settles down and believes in it because – What's that different between her game and Serena Williams's game in order for her to be successful? She should be all right. Well, she said clay. I think maybe that's why. Well, she's a but then, but then that's but then it, that's based on so little data on grass, isn't it? Um, mm. So, but I don't know. Can, can it just click on grass? You get so little time. 
you know, she's not going to go and do a training block on grass, is she? So basically just, she's looking at playing, let's say, Birmingham and sort of just figuring it out that week in time it's, for... It's not that different anymore. Um, the, the, t- tell that to Karolina Pliskova or Stefanos Sitsipas or Stan Marinka. I know, but she's different. Her stroke production is different to theirs. And I, I'd look at her stroke production being more like Novak Djokovic's. Um, in terms it's the of, movement, though. Yeah, but she's a brilliant mover. She I is. She I, is. I, but I don't see that it will be a problem. I know she hasn't done it yet, but I really think it's coming. I certainly think she's absolutely capable of it and will do it. I just, it is such a short season. I don't think she's just going to rock up and it suddenly be there. And, you know, what, so you get four, four matches in Birmingham and then you're into into Wimbledon? Unless she goes to Eastbourne, which I am, I mean, please Naomi Osaka play Eastbourne. I love it when superstars go to Eastbourne. There's something so just quaint about it and and often so do they (laughs) (laughs) yeah um yeah i I, it's just yeah what do you think what do you think matt what do you think catherine do you what what's a what is a what are you predicting for naomi osaka at the french (laughs) open in wimbledon oh god will she win either no i i don't think she'll win either i I agree that there's certainly the potential for her with time to conquer those surfaces. I think part of the equation is as is as well that there are more players who are really comfortable on those surfaces. Mm. You know, Sviontek, Halep, Barty. She's not able to distance herself from them in the same way that she is on a hard court, I think. I mean, another storyline is Andrescu. How does she get on on those surfaces? We've not seen her on them either, really. Um, I think the serve is a good foundation for the grass. She didn't actually serve very well in her last two matches at this tournament, and yet she still (laughs) won it. Um, But if she can get that serve going, that's going to be a a big confidence boost on on grass in particular. I I just think it's um, as much about her, well, in her own words, becoming comfortable. And I think that will take time. I think it will take matches, but I do believe she'll get there and she has the game. I just don't think she can flick her fingers and make it happen, mm. partly because there's, there's too many other very strong players as well. Mm. She's just going to have to go to Eastbourne. There's nothing else for it. And stay in a lovely, lovely um, B&B creaking, on the front there by the pier. Creaking floorboards. Yep. Yep, can hear everything the person in the next room says. One of those places <laughs> that has a sink in in the bedroom, yeah, like your grandma's house. <laughs> yeah, that's what I what stayed have, in when I went to Eastbourne. What have been the recent superstars in Eastbourne appearances? Serena's been, Djokovic, Djokovic has been. Uh, well, Murray went to play. Uh, well, singles. He he played yes. doubles there. He had the the very unfortunate bad date with Marcelo Mello in uh, in Eastbourne. What was that? Didn't he? After he won Queens with Lopez. Mm. Oh, he. Oh, yes. He played with Mello. <laughs> yeah, he went to Eastbourne and had a had a terrible date. Um, uh, and Andy Roddick won the that. title there, didn't he? Yeah. Remember that? Eastbourne has seen some things, Matt. <laughs> it's a lovely event. I mean, I got really lucky the year I covered it, and there was a heat wave, and it was just glorious. I can imagine it's fully miserable uh, in bad weather, but I loved it. It's often nice weather. I, I, I've covered it a few times as well. I love it too. It's mm. um, so different. Mm. Um, so that's the future for Naomi Osaka. What do you think, David? Is she going to win one of those this year? You don't have to say which one. Will she win either the French or, or Wimbledon in 2021? Yes. Catherine? I think... Probably not this year. Will Jen Brady, Jennifer Brady, win a slam, David? While I've got you being, while I've got your neck on the block, head on the block, neck on the line. Both of those. No. You look like you've nodded off, David. (laughs) I'm just thinking. It's my thinking face. Did you just say no very quietly? I I did say no. Okay. Matt? 
I think I agree with David on okay. on Jenny Brady. Jenny Brady. Je- we'll just interchangeably use all three until the situation is, is cleared <laughs> up. Um, Barbara Krejcikova and Rajiv Ram beat Sam Stoza and Matt Ebden 6-1-6-4 in the mixed doubles final. Uh, so Rajiv Ram is on for the doubles double. He'll partner Joe Salisbury in the men's doubles final tomorrow against uh, Ivan Dodig, Philip Polishek. I don't think the double-double gets done very often. I do like watching him play doubles. Mm. I think Salisbury and Ram, they're a really good partnership. Really, really good partnership, so dynamic. yeah. I just love watching his pizza and preserve. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's total carbon copy of pizza you, and preserve. You like watching it. <laughs> I just sit yeah. there mesmerised. <laughs> In he a 90s eyes trance. and he pretends Pete's back. I'm in a 90s trance for hours. <laughs> um, we, we have just a few remaining minutes to look ahead to the men's final tomorrow. Daniil Medvedev against Novak Djokovic. Um, I was asked yesterday, uh, I, I did an appearance on Times Radio and just at the very end when sort of, you know, Oscar's speech style, the, the outro music was playing, I was asked very quickly to tell them what was going to happen in the two finals and, and the women's one was very easy. I said, look, Osaka, overwhelming favourite. Um, and then I came onto the men's and I said, look, we're eight-time champion, never lost a final. I mean, obviously you've got to go Djokovic, but I sort of think Medvedev, bye. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was a, li- a little bit more professional than that, but something made me sort of knee-jerk and go, you know, I... I said all the things about how you can't pick against Djokovic in a final in the Rod Laver Arena. You just can't. And then, I don't know, something overtook me and I I think form. I told the listeners Medvedev was going to win it and that's very silly. But in form and I, feel, really, isn't yeah. it? Because he is the player on the run. Mm. And yet I would counter that by saying how many times have we gone into a Grand mm-hmm. Slam final saying that someone is in the better form mm-hmm. and they've run into Novak Djokovic and they've either not been able to quite produce that form or Djokovic has found another gear and won anyway. It I... feels like most of the times Djokovic has won a Grand Slam. That is kind of how we're talking. I have total confidence in Medvedev to produce the form. I think it's a question of whether Djokovic can find that 17-time Grand Slam champion gear that is that is superior to, to Medvedev's top gear. I don't mm. think we've seen it yet this tournament. Mm, and, I you know, he's, he's brilliant at managing matches and managing tournaments and only bringing out those gears when they're required. So it's going to be very interesting to see whether it comes out tomorrow because I, I really back Medvedev to show up in the way that we've seen for the past 20 matches. I, I do think that Medvedev will show up. Yeah, I agree. I think this is probably Djokovic's most dangerous opponent he could possibly have drawn in the final on such a confident winning streak with a Grand Slam final experience already under his belt in which he played well. A decent head-to-head record against Djokovic. He's won three of their last four. There's just part of... Just part of backing against Djokovic in an yeah. Australian Open final, or Grand Slam final, I just find so difficult to do. Um, I think the HP finals meeting was interesting because it was very tight for six games. And then Djokovic looked to me like he couldn't really dig deep at the HP finals with Medvedev. And he kind he didn't he didn't tank, but he didn't go to his deepest depths to try and stay with him and I just think he will do that tomorrow when he needs to Mm. Um, Medvedev likes to hone in on people's weaknesses well if Djokovic is playing well where are those weaknesses that you hone in on Um, I think we might see Djokovic deploy some of his variety which is underrated I think he'll use the slice backhand he'll use some drop shots Medvedev into the net yeah, I think that would be probably a good tactic for but, him and one he if, will have to use. What if Medvedev does his own luring? <laughs> well, Djokovic is a better volleyer. Um, he is, hmm. but Medvedev's passes it can I, be so good, it doesn't matter how good a volleyer I, I, you I are. I do agree with Matt, though. I think the short ball angled across 
I mean, I actually feel like Medvedev is brilliant with his hands low down. Um, on it's a just sort of getting half, that low. On a half volley uh, where he's able to do a full swing through, his control is incredible. Mm. And he paints the lines with those shots. So whether whether or not he ends up having volleys to play, I don't know. But if Djokovic can make him hit volleys, I, I think Djokovic is, is in a good place there. Um, I, I could foresee a long match either way, um, mm-hmm. which could go like last year's where, where Djokovic came back against team and won it from two sets to one down, or Medvedev just has a little bit too much for him um, on the day at the end. And, and Djokovic, you know, I, I do feel like at some point Djokovic's reserves are going to deplete a little bit. His resilience is going to deplete a little bit because how many times can you keep on doing this? Um, so, and he's playing a guy eight years younger, fresh, hungry, and very similar to himself. So it's a real knife edge call, but I would be surprised if it doesn't go long. That's mm-hmm. not a prediction, David. <laughs> well, I'm going Djokovic. Okay. But I don't feel confident in it. Matt? I'm just going Djokovic as well, 51-49. Um, I don't think he's played particularly well in his recent Grand Slam finals. He's won two of them, beating <laughs> Federer and beating Team in the 2019 Wimbledon final, 2020 Australian Open final. But they weren't brilliant performances. And then he was very flat against Nadal at Roland Garros. Um, I don't know what to read into that Um but it's it's a re- it's a pattern recently. But the thing is, he's still good enough to play like that and win. So I think I just have to give the slight edge to Djokovic, but five sets. Mm. I'm going Medvedev in five, fifty-one forty-nine. But you know, that's what I said. I said pre-tournament Medvedev to beat Djokovic in the final. I copied Pam Shriver. And I'm sticking with Pam. <laughs> I'd love to know if, if, if Pam is sticking with Pam. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Pam? Pam's been listening to most Pam of Pam has jumped ship Pam... <laughs> and I'm just in Pam's ship on my own. Pam's been working for ESPN because uh, they're in Connecticut, aren't they, uh, doing mm. the broadcasting for now. And she says she's, uh, she's listening to most of them on the minibus in. So hello, Pam. Right. Right. Okay. Hello, Pam. Hello, Pam. <laughs> Actual Pam Shriver. <laughs> Actual Pam Shriver. Uh, should we also say hello to Crumble? Yeah. Yeah. Crumble. Crumble is our Australian Open mascot. I hope you're having a good one, Crumble. Um, hope you're not chewing through anything. Um, should we say hello to our mascots? Mine is Zeus. We had a good day, Zeus. We could have, we should have got more points for that. Um, we should get some sort of bonus pot for getting the game score right, but doesn't work like that. We'll just we'll just take the moral victory, Zeus. Yeah. Well, you and me, Rogue, we might have to go Medvedev in three just to stand a chance whether or not we believe it or not. <laughs> but I think we've got more about us than that. I think we're happy to accept fourth place out of fifth. Uh, just well, for getting it as right. of yesterday, the, the bookies' odds were completely even. So I'm they not... now have Djokovic as a slight favourite. Okay. So Medvedev in three probably is your... Your ticket mm. to the points galore, David. I have a fifty-nine point lead over Daryl, and the Daryl that of... predicted France to win the ATP Cup. Yeah, that Daryl. You are below him, I'm afraid, Catherine. I know. By the way, Matt just gets that out there. I've got a fifty-nine point lead over yeah. Daryl, but the most amount of points available is sixty. Ooh. So it's possible that I could still not win, which I'm annoyed about. Right. Matt was looking for this mathematical... Is gonna, this is actually quite exciting. He wants mathematical mm, certainty is. and he can't This is a it. real um, sprint finish for some of us. <laughs> some, some, of us. Uh, some of us are just looking for a consolation goal. Mm, yeah. As I said, though, Zeus, moral victory is ours. Um, so sign up to the newsletter if you want to uh, follow that sprint finish. Sign up anyway because it's great. Um, if you think the stats that Matt's com- Matt comes out with in the podcast are good, he, he saves his best one usually for the newsletter um there's some there's some billy jean king diva content in the in the most recent one there's sort of 
a Billie Jean. What did I say? Billie Jean King, didn't oh, you? Oh, there's, there's so many of them. <laughs> Sorry about that, Billie Jean King, actual legend. <laughs> yeah. Genuine apologies to Billie Jean King because you do not want to be associated with this puppy at the moment that's no. disgraced herself. We, we, we should say, we uh, at the end of last night's show, we thought it was a phone cable that she'd eaten her way through. Turned out it was the actual podcast cable. Yeah, it was all quite funny for a while there, wasn't it? And then... Yeah. Then it got, and then David's got face dark. went ashen. <laughs> Stop talking to you for about four hours. I have pledged to be 100% nice to David for a 24-hour period in apology, and that ends at 4.07pm today. Yeah, right. Mm. Um, Billie Jean is sponsored by Billie Jean King. Did you hear that, Billie Jean? That means buck up your ideas. Um, and our executive producer is Chris Albert Lee who is a confirmed top bloke have you chosen your quiz your your competition winner yet Catherine from Instagram stories I'm still I'm still browsing the entrance because the the mug has arrived you've seen the picture of the mug yeah have a look at the picture of the mug I mean mean, this is a this is a an audio platform I don't think me looking at a mug is going to play that well yeah you don't mean now it's uh, no, but right, it's, okay. <laughs> okay, Matt. What does the tennis podcast official mug look like to you? It looks exactly as as you would describe. It looks amazing. It is it is black with the tennis podcast logo on. It even yeah. has the f- the fade. What's the official yeah. word for that? The it gradient. The the gradient. S- oh, the That's the word I was looking the for. Swooshing ball. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Looks amazing. Uh, and, we will, and, we will yeah. have other um, competitions available for non-pet owners, just in case we get accused of discrimination. I mean, obviously, we are discriminatory <laughs> towards pet owners. Uh, unashamedly, I am. Um, but we, we will we will run uh, competitions that are open to non-pet owners. Matt, who are our shout-outs for today? They are for Tristan, who I think is Tristan Bulas. Oh, Tristan's a top regularly bloke. writes to us. Oh, hello, Tristan. Of like Tristan and his old, it's like a, it's like you know Romeo and Juliet type story from medieval times. Forbidden love, that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Tristan. You're a great (laughs) bloke. Always sending us nice little notes. Oh, thanks, Tristan. Moritz Guff. Oh, hello, Moritz. What a great name that is. That is the name of Dominic Team's brother. Yeah. It is. Cheers, mm. Moritz. The, yeah. Is Moritz's team still trying to make it? I don't know. No. I think <laughs> less. He's less. He's trying less than the other sit to pass. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is that the meanest the, thing I've ever said? That's the bar. Okay. Yep. And finally, Tiffany Horan. Oh, hello, Tiffany. Hi, Tiffany. Like Niall Horan of uh, One Direction fame and exactly. Tiffany of well, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah. Isn't that a shop as well? Tiffany's, yeah. Isn't it yeah. like really posh with lots of expensive things? Yes. I've never been in there. Jewellery. Yeah. Mm. Oh, Tiffany, yeah. thanks so much. Thank you, Tiffany. Um, there is a song called Breakfast at Tiffany's, just putting that out there. Yes. Oh, and by the way, um, I did have one note from a listener today who's only just started listening to us because was put onto us by a friend who and, and said, oh, could I have a shout out for my friend because he's got me into the, the podcast? And I, I just had to explain, and I'll explain to anybody else who's ju- only just started listening to us during the Australian Open, the shout outs, we, we don't just sort of randomly pick them. Uh, they're, they're part of our crowdfunding campaign at the end of each year. And uh, so it closed in January, but we'll have a another one in december in which you can you can get uh, a shout out and show your support for the podcast in the process if you like you can buy yourself the opportunity to have matt sing your name <laughs> yeah in yeah. fact that might have to be an elevated category <laughs> <laughs> yeah david's having an idea better better wrap this thing now uh, we'll be back with one last australian open 2021 daily tennis podcast we hope you've enjoyed them Uh, If you have, then tell your friends, leave us an iTunes review. Uh, Do subscribe to our newsletter. I know I keep going on about it, but it's um, it's it's great stuff. Um, And we'll be back with one more tomorrow. We'll speak to you then. Hold up. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tools. Tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.